Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, your host of the Beyond Speaking podcast. And today we have with us the CEO of Gallup, Jim Clifton, author of a number of books and uh, and somebody who has uh, who is one of the most knowledgeable people in the country. So, Jim, thank you so much for coming on today. That's a little strong, but uh, I was I was put up to that by your office to say that this guy. So the, one of the interesting things. So a big thing we're going to talk about is entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. But I was put up. I said uh, it was to ask you what it's like being the person that more people come up to you and say, in in all seriousness, high level people saying, "Could I be president? What it, what is that like, and what do you answer?" Well, I don't. One of the things I found, Brian, is that I'm not going to say their names because you've heard of all of them, but but I. <laughs> But, but I tell them the truth, they're, they can be brilliant Americans, but they're too narrow. Mm-hmm. And, and their particular message is never going to be able to be expanded enough. And, but I learned if I tell them, uh, no, you could never be elected. <laughs> they, they don't talk to me then. for it takes them, They have to process it and kind of mourn it and everything for about a year before they'll talk to me again. <laughs> but, uh, do you remember who the first person was that asked you to that? I do. Can you share? I'd rather not. Oh, you come know. on. I was going to say, there's got to be a statute <laughs> of limitations. Steve Forbes. Or, Steve Forbes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and they, uh, I got to tell you something else too. They never listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think if somebody wants to run, they're going to run. Yeah. Um, and what they're doing is they're really looking for people to, to affirm it. Right, right. Oh, you'd be great. Of course, people love you and you know, all that. But, um, no, there's, you know, the, and, and things have changed a lot too, but. But when, because I've had the same, I've been CEO for 30 years, maybe 31 now, I don't know, but, Mm -hmm. and I watched elections before that, I'm so much older than you, but, you know, there's always a certain demand, there's there's a real strong will of the voter, and and if you're not within that will, you don't have a chance, Mm -hmm. because the will's driving much harder than you can persuade, somehow you got to fit in there, but if who you are doesn't fit the will of the people, you you don't have much of a chance. Switching sort of from politics to solutions, um, you know, what do you see as something that America really needs to change? I know you've done a lot of research on this and, you know, innovation is a big buzzword, but what do you think we need to do to sort of change and improve those things? Like you were talking about the living wage or or what's kind of your idea of the solution? Well, the thing that I'm most, most concerned about it, and again, you just don't read much of this. There's a, only a few economists on it. And I had our chief economist. I said, I want to know the truth. I want it out here. I want to report on it. I want a trend line right on the cover. And I want to hand it to the biggest leaders in uh, business and industry and all over Washington. I want every senator to have it and everything else. But if you take GDP per capita, so remember GDP, it oversimplifies just all the stuff we make and sell each other. So yeah. your 13-year-old's hurt number, hurt number, <laughs> whatever, it's, it's all in there. Yeah. <clears throat> But if you divide that by the population, it's been going down for 30 years. Mm. It, but so what it is, is if somebody goes, well, hey, look, GDP per capita is growing. It is, but it's increasing at a decreasing rate. So it, right. used to be, so it means, again, the amount of stuff, and, this, and you gotta have a strong free enterprise or you can't have democracy, I, I, I think. I don't think that's political. I think that's uh, right. yeah. the, 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 the way it is, but. <clears throat> Increase at a decreasing rate, so now we're at zero. That's the United. That's the United States. So when they say it's been the longest uh, growth, uh, ten years in a row, they don't finish that sentence. Hmm. It's also the smallest growth we've had for 
uh, across a 10-year time series in the last 100 years. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. But so we say, hey, look, it's, it's real long, but we're only running at about 2%. I, I feel like I'm boring your audience, but two and a half is break even. Yeah. And so where you really need to be is just 3.2 or something like that, but, but that's a long that's a long way away from where we're here. Right. Then if you go to the globe, the, the economists, I'm going to say 10 years ago, said we need to be up around six and a half, then six, and it just keeps going down. Yeah. So now we're down around three and a half. But so that thing looks like a ski slope, mm -hmm. but it's the other global warming. Mm. Economic dynamism is grinding down with a brutal force. And we say, well, was Carter a bad president or was Reagan bad or the, one of the Bushes or whatever? It looks like the presidents don't affect it as much as you think. Something's happening. But one of them is that you can lay next to it is the number of startups. Mm. So I challenged um, <clears throat> some, some economists. I said, I want to know the very, 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 very origin of economic energy. Where does it start? So if Memphis doesn't have enough, Nashville's got a lot. So Memphis says, I want to have energy like Nashville. The answer is startups, mm. full stop. Yeah, it's not getting the, the uh, uh, given tax breaks to get the Kawasaki plant in or anything like that. Yeah. You've got to have startups, and I, I didn't mean to depress your audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but what makes it worse is millennials don't start companies. Yeah, yeah. And why do you think that is? Um, <clears throat> well, there are some obvious things. When I was um, I don't know, kind of twenty two or when I was in college, mm -hmm. all of us started companies. I'm. 68, so that, I mean, that's a long time ago. Fifth, I don't know, just a real long time ago. Sure. But we always had stuff. But but if all my friends started companies, so it wasn't even anything at all. Yeah. You know, say I just put my car, I hawk my car, I'm going to do this kind of thing and all that. We we're very entrepreneurial. But but at the University of Nebraska, I think a semester was like $60. <laughs> and so you didn't, have, seriously, you didn't, have, you really could work at the bookstore and pay your tuition or some construction during the right during the summer but but i but if you when you come out i mean if you go to would you say university of indiana or purdue uh, i went to i went to depaul but my mom went to iu yeah okay but but now if you go for f four years you have debt about 160,000 but, yeah. but 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 uh but six figure debt you're, you're not as likely to start a company. i think there's a little bit of a brown cloud on free enterprise mm -hmm. i think an awful lot of kids are wondering about um what they can do they um, want to know if they can work in a nonprofit, mm -hmm. what they can, and which is which is just great. But I think it causes them to not start businesses. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I'm curious to know because you've talked about, you know, when you were starting up, you were starting up companies, but you, the purpose of the company was to provide a paycheck so that you could have the rest of your life. And millennials treat it now that the that the company they work for, whatever they're doing, is in a big way, their life. It's, you know, where the social life comes from and, and the cause comes from, the purpose comes from. Um, how do you think you could rectify that with the need for entrepreneurs and startups? I think, first of all, we just let it happen before. Mm -hmm. Boy, you know, when Americans get after something and figure it out, we can really change things. We're yeah. very good at it. But we haven't tried, we haven't figured out how a business starts. You know, we always celebrate. We're just doing a th uh, something with Richard Galveston, with Richard Branson. You know what? But what you don't think about, nobody really does stories on the 500 people that tried to start something, Richard, that failed. And they went, oh, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're paying off the debt. And people are saying, don't you ever try that again, you know. But we weren't born equal on this subject. Yeah. 
are on this particular capacity. You look at your own kids, and yeah, and you, you have three of them. Yeah, and and you looked at one of them. And she gets up in the morning, and all she thinks about is who she can sell something, yeah. something to. Well, that's the point. But if you're in music, we're here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm horrible at music, but if you put five violin player, I can. If there's a real good one and the other four, I can tell. We yeah. all can. Or in basketball. I was watching TV one night years ago, and LeBron James was in high school. It was just a regular news show. It wasn't even sports. But they went, look at this kid in high school. Mm-hmm. I looked, and I went, he'll be good in the pros. We can all spot it. Yeah. But but it's not visual or audio um, having that particular gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why Gallup has built tests. We've been testing hundreds of thousands of kids. There is a solution Schools have to get early identification of people that have a natural gift to start a company. These are alpha males and alpha females and put them in systems that are um, uh, 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 just as sure as baseball farm teams or the whole yeah. baseball thing. But if we just emulated the whole baseball thing where they spot those, little, you know, in hockey in Canada, they spot them in like grade school yeah. and put them in hockey schools. Then they teach them arithmetic, whatever they teach them as a side thing. And what they're there for is hockey. If we did that mm-hmm. for business startups, the, the whole country would explode. I mean that in a good way. Yeah. And I love that. And, it's, and I mentioned <laughs> this before we got on the air here, but you know, I've kind of been stalking you for four or five years because I read that article that that you had about, you know, we we have these specific ways for people to um, make the most out of their musical talent, specific ways to make the most out of their sports talent, but we don't often have that from an entrepreneurial standpoint. So uh, if you were to give a parent, let's say there's not the, that track here already, but let's say you're talking to a parent um, who has kids that are uh, a child or, or one or more that has that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, what would you what would you tell them to do? First of all, Brian, I'd be real sure they know the difference between innovation and entrepreneurship because this country gets them mixed up. Yeah. And so universities are starting innovation centers and they're recruiting kids into it and all that. Nothing comes out of them. Mm. So we got a place where we're dead wrong. Right. So you got to make sure that we're, t- you, you, you know it because you spotted it in your, you got to make sure that you're talk, uh, talking about that. But then there's a lot of programs around. If they're real young, there's a program called Lemonade Days. I was in that for a okay. long time. People at Gallup in Washington, D.C. are in that. But it's a place where kids go out and they, they learn about money and, you know, the, and they do it in the summer when there's a lot of people and, and they go out and sell lemonade. Mm-hmm. One, little, one little girl, I say girl because she's so young. But she made uh, $300. But once you pay back the little sacks of lemonade or whatever it is, uh-huh. you start keeping the dough. Yeah. And But I was like, she's just screaming and she's holding the money in her hand. You can just see it feel so good. Mm-hmm. But I watched her and she works harder to work it in the crowd. She goes, you're so hot. Don't you want it? Because we got lemonade right over here. Yeah. Where the other girls were, you know, they're they're kind of looking down and they're, they're embarrassed to be doing it and all that uh-huh. kind of thing. But I would... I would try to get them in the game as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. But there are things around in most cities. But make sure that you get them in the entrepreneurship, not not the innovation. Those are two. One's an inventor, mm-hmm. and the other one's basically a super salesperson. Yeah. And that's one of the things I thought was interesting. Like you talk about Wayne Hazenga is somebody who, you know, like started three huge companies, hugely successful companies, but they weren't necessarily those glamorous things. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't Apple or Facebook or something like that. It was, you know, the trash guy. You know, or or selling cars, or you know, whatever it was, and those things were just so different from that. And I think that's an important point that people, when they think innovation, they think technology, which there is right, room right, for right. innovation in there. 
but I, I think, um, but entrepreneurship is a different sort of thing and a different sort of drive for change, but in disruption maybe, but, mm -hmm. uh, but not that, um, in a, in the, um, I guess when you're talking to co college students, so you've done a huge thing with the university of Nebraska, you know, uh, starting the, uh, is it the Don Clifton mm -hmm. strengths, uh, center or no, I'm, uh, yeah, I believe Institute Institute. Um, they call it center a lot though. Yeah. Too, but, um, but, um, you know, in that, uh, when you go and I've, you know, I've seen you on the videos there, I know you're a part of it. What are the things that you tell those students there? Well, what we do is, so we build some courses, and then you get selected into the Don Clifton Institute. Mm -hmm. But we, we run you through a battery. I'm sorry to call them tests. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically what you're looking for is somebody that has, a, I'll crudely call it grit, uh -huh. and they have high determination. You're superstar entrepreneurs. If, if you say to me, here's something I'm going to do, and I tell you, you will never do that, mm -hmm. right? Well, then that moves to the top of the list <laughs> because <laughs> because you want to prove them. There's nothing you're gonna. You, you want to go prove Jim was Jim was wrong, but right. but they love determination. Yeah. Or for you to really fail, you know, your first six months out with your new company, and it just doesn't work. And I go right. This will never work. Mm -hmm. That really gets you up earlier the next day because the d determination. There's kind of a governor, but the failure makes you keep getting up and keep going and going and going. Mm -hmm. And um, you know that looks like it's you know, kind of one in a hundred. Mm -hmm. You think about a basketball stars or whatever, or, or if you think about Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and all that mm -hmm. list of uh, people. But 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 um, to answer your question, we, we teach them a lot about customer science. Mm -hmm. And so you, you need to speed up their development. So we tell them what a good customer is like, what a bad, think about how much fun you and I could have. I asked you about yeah. your customers, you asked me about mine. Yeah. What's your worst one, Brian? What's your best one? But then they go out and they figure that out and they go in and see, you know, mid-sized CEOs or larger CMOs, I'll call them on the phone or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But then they go deep into what makes good customer, bad customer, how you can have more customers, what, what customers do you wish you had, how come you don't have them and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that if you get any size, um, at, at some point, you have to be pretty good at running teams. Right. And so to know how to be a team captain and how to figure out what your strengths are, what my weaknesses are, and all of that is, uh, is, uh, is a really good one. But, but so some very special uh, uh, soft, soft skills. A lot about, di a lot about disruption, too. Mm -hmm. But we expect those kids, when you're in the uh, Don Clifton School, we expect them to start a big business mm -hmm. or a business within a in a company, but we expect them to be builders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, I know your, your new book, you know, building. So I love the, the distinction you make. You don't ask people, what are you doing or what are you up to? You say, what are you building? Yeah. Where did that idea come from? There's a guy down in Austin, Texas. You ever heard of Roy Spence? Uh, no. Okay, but anyway, he's, he's pretty famous. He's, kind he's of the, pretty amazing though, yeah. Well, he's kind of the new David Ogilvy. You got to okay. fix on David, but kind of the new ad. Uh, yeah. But, but he and I were talking about, and he's, started an ad agency in his dorm, but a lot of it's about a dream. Mm -hmm. and, and you really have a dream because, uh, oh, no, but these kids really need independence too. Mm -hmm. Having a boss doesn't work very well. Right, for, right. For him. But, he, but he started an ad agency that got big and famous, but we were talking about somewhere, he got to a place where he said, dream it, build it. And that mm -hmm. word, I thought that word build is a better word. But when you go to Mexico mm -hmm. or England, the word entrepreneurship doesn't have the status that it does here. Mm. 
in Mexico, it means you couldn't get another job, so you got to be in it. You see what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. translate well. Yeah. And in um, uh, England, Branson and some others have kind of fixed it. They call him an entrepreneur. They're coming out of it, mm -hmm. but it meant that you couldn't go to college or whatever, and so you have to kind of sell fruit out of the back of a truck and all that. Yeah. So we needed a better word. Mm -hmm. So those are what drove it. And, and people really like uh, builder really works. I want to build something. Mm -hmm. It also works for the people that want to do nonprofits mm -hmm. because as far as our economy goes, let's say that I want to start, I don't know, some kind of a new technology thing, but you want to start a children's museum. Mm -hmm. fine, that's just fine. Nonprofit children's museum. I mean, you still have to, ha it's still going to be jobs and it creates economic energy and everything mm -hmm. else. Uh, just for whatever reason, it happens to be uh, not nonprofit, but what can you build? Mm -hmm. So what are you building right now? To put well, the pressure on you. Well, let's see. Um, I, one thing I'm, I'll probably talk to the audience today about it too, <laughs> but our, our chief sci scientist kind of came out scratching his head. And he said, I think I can prove that the practice of management doesn't work anymore. Mm. I said, well, wh what exactly does that mean? And he goes, well, but anyway, I said, how would you show me that mathematically? But if you look at how people are doing in the workplace, you know, with everything else shooting up, uh, you know, we're getting huge breakthroughs in cancer and all sorts of things now. Technology, mm -hmm. you know, they got special words for the, you know, Moore's Law and all that. But yet this thing just is locked in. But people aren't, lives aren't improving in the workplace. But <clears throat> what? I'm always kind of making stuff, but mm -hmm. but the one I'm most excited about now is we're creating the new way to lead. And so you come in, you go, so, so what's your deal? You go, I got an MBA from Stanford. Okay, great. Way to go. <laughs> but don't use it here any, ever again. Hang it at the door and try to forget everything you learned <laughs> and manage people this way. Mm -hmm. uh, but I... So speaking of a dream, a uh, my team and I have a dream that we could get everybody to switch the old way of managing, performance management, ratings, rankings, and all that. There's no question it makes people worse. Mm -hmm. So you say, okay, I'll unplug it. And we've had huge companies do it. And got it. But then they, then they say to us, what should we go to? Mm -hmm. We know how to shut it off. We don't know how to run a thousand teams or, you know, if you're Accenture, God, you got 500,000 professionals. I mean, some of these companies, but the, so they need, a, they need a system. But so we're, we're I'm really excited about making that. Mm -hmm. How has uh, polling changed over time? What's, <laughs> there was a time when I, another guy and I started a market research company in Lincoln, Nebraska. And if you can imagine this, we would do a poll of farmers and ranchers, sometimes hog farmers or whatever. And what you want to do is once a number comes up and you select it, um, and then you call it and they answer. Mm -hmm. That's really a good one. Yeah. If you get a bunch of them that don't answer or hang out, that's what you call non-response bias. Right. In the old days, when we were calling farmers and ranchers in the Midwest, every single one of them would participate. <laughs> Nobody hangs up. Yeah. I mean, this is nuts, but uh, sometimes the, sp the spouse would say, well, Homer went into town. He, sh uh, he's, he should be back. He went in to get a new shovel. It's snowing here. Yeah. Oh, it, uh, but uh, he'll call you back. <laughs> I don't. I don't really want him to. Call. It's okay. We can. We can. But they would. They'd even call back. Yeah. But the polls in the old days with telephone were so accurate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could hit elections. Uh, the old. I mean, we'd hit them to a tenth of a percent. Now with cell phones and everything, you also have a whole bunch of people on the run with debt. They can't mm -hmm. take any. 
they can't take any phone calls. So if you see something you don't know, yeah. Um, but there's more people that are strange. You got communication. You know, it used to be we just one telephone. Nobody called long distance and everything else. Yeah. But so now, then the non-response bias went up to about eighty percent. Oh wow! You can you can still mathematically correct for it pretty well, but if you make one little mistake down in that twenty percent, it blows the whole thing apart. It's 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 much harder to do. We do polls in 160 countries around the world, but it's always so interesting because if we're doing an election, um, now remember we don't work for Democrats, Republicans, or anything else. We're always we, we do more polls than everybody else put together, but. There's a poll in Kenya, it's all in person. And so if I come to your house and I start asking you a question about how's your life going and all that, uh, yeah. you, you, everybody takes it. And so we're, I mean, we are, we, we can hit elections in <laughs> Africa and Middle East and all that. I mean, just uh, right down to two tenths of a percent. But you, but you get to it. England, France, Germany, or the regular, you know, Canada, or yeah. US or Japan or whatever, it's really getting hard. How's that change your perspective? So when you, you took over Gallup, you know, it was primarily U.S. based company. Now it's in 40, 50 company or countries. And how has that sort of changed what you do and maybe changed your perspective on the world? I, I'm a 100 percent red blooded American, mm-hmm. but it was very difficult. I never really saw the world through their through their eyes until you really sit and work. I mean, when you're doing a lot of polls and all that, and you set up an office, you got to hire a bunch of people and get in business. You're not that big. I mean, so but so I, I tend to know. Um, you know, an awful lot of people in our offices and that, but mm-hmm. I, I mean this humbly, but I have a lot better world perspective than I, than mm-hmm. I did before. There's nothing like being in business with somebody in another country. I mean, there's, I mean, there's no way the government, the state department, nobody can, we're better ambassadors as business people than anything America's ever done. And George Washington actually, one of the things he said just before he died, our relationships with other countries going forward should be more about business, not about politics. Yeah. So um, that'd be my short answer. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions we got in uh, for you from, this is from Leah Hayes, who actually, she runs a podcast, Her Story of Success, on uh, that actually focuses on female entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> the question was, what is the most surprising poll result you've ever had? One of the most surprising ones was right after 9-11. And um, we, this is public, but we do a lot of stuff for the military and all over the place. But... But so we were here. Nobody knew what a Sunni or just a Sunni or Shi or anything. Mm-hmm. But so we were asked to build sampling frames across. I don't know, maybe about ten. There's about 1.5 billion Muslims. You can get most of them with just 10, 10 countries or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we we're all told that, that that they hate us for our freedom. Mm. We're, we're most mad about is our lives are falling apart. We have a question: How's your life going? Well, not very well, especially with the young males. When young males don't have jobs, here's the big one. No hope for a job. That's where you find hope. Yeah. They get really uncomfortable and uh, dangerous. We say, is there anything about, that you admire about Americans at all? Yeah, I'd give anything for the freedom. Huh. You see, we had it exactly. America had it exactly backwards. You got to be careful with that kind of thing because then once you start doing all the communications because because your premise, your basic premise is wrong, mm-hmm. the more you communicate, the 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 worse the worse you make it. How would you balance that with the uh, American need? You talked about that for the American need for entrepreneurship, and um, you know, you've talked about how America is just taking off growth. Everyone predicted that Japan and Germany, you know, thirty years ago would would blow by America, and America has they're right on those two, and America just blew by all expectations. 
But how do you balance that with other countries that have that need where the young men aren't getting jobs? How can America kind of build out and maybe assist the rest of the world in that way? Well, I, I, th- I think one of the things we've done so well, we gotta, we got to do it better, but, it's, but we got to do business with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, that's why I think, I think the United States can and will rise up again where, where um, again, I think it's okay with your audience here because <laughs> this is awfully um, American, but the world works better when we lead it. Mm-hmm. And it works better when we lead it in a way with real positive trade. Yeah. Uh, where we're helping uh, them grow their GDPs as well. You know, we've always been the very best at entrepreneurship. And I think that, and you, know, you get so many of them, as long as we can be a beacon, you know, for the best entrepreneurs in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's okay for their countries. You don't want to lose them, but they're going somewhere. But if we could become that hub or that watering hole for the whole world, I think it fuels. Uh, what America's got to do is we got to see our market as the whole world, and we got to get our GDP growing at about about three and a half percent. When we do, it lifts the all the boat all the boats rise. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about today's guests, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen.